Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in today. This is the last episode of Series 6. Now, if you've been following along, you'll know I've talked to a lot of retired Olympians to see what it was like to be on the road. Uh, It's a lot of life on the road, living out of a suitcase. And this is our last series where I have a special guest that knows a thing or two about being on the road. He knows a lot of Team Canada's athletes as well. So let me introduce episode 59's guest that we will be dropping in with today. This guest is from Saskatoon. He has traveled the world, and it's weird to say he's been to more Olympics than me. The Winter Olympics caught his eye in 1998, and at the Tokyo 2022 Olympics, Team Canada honored him with a gold for his social media, specifically in Twitter. Now, you might be guessing who it is. Um, honestly, On the Team Canada website, you can see he has his own profile. It's amazing. He is a graduate from the University of Regina with a bachelor's in journalism. If you're in Canada, you might know him from CBC Sports, Olympics, Paralympics, and the news, or that curling show. If there's a sporting event going on in Canada or worldwide, you can only assume that this guest will be on the ground covering it for CBC. This friend, son, journalist, Curling fanatic, reporter, host, and friend to Team Canada athletes has done a lot of traveling. Let me introduce Devin Herbert. Hello. That's such a beautiful intro. Thank you, Mercedes. I'm like, well, you, you've done I a need, lot, Matt. I need to, I'm like, I need to get a life. Do you know I actually have people on Twitter who say, dude, you tweet a lot. You need to chill a bit. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Do you like talk in text? I wanted to ask that. Or okay, do you so, type it all out? So I'm here in my downtown Toronto apartment loft. I have two phones. I have a couple of iPads below my desk. I have my laptop. And so when I'm watching an event, this is actually a secret I probably have never revealed until now. Um, I will tee up a bunch of tweets and like laugh them for the moment, for the moment. I don't know if I I face more pressure and more anxiety than knowing like a final curling shot is coming or games in Mm -hmm. overtime or like the last run of an event. And I'm like, oh my God, the last thing I want to do is have a tweet that I know is going to blow up with a typo in it. Right? Right. Of course. I did hear there's an edit button coming. I, I don't believe it. <laughs> no, I don't believe it. I've done oh some. I've done some epic, embarrassing typos. There was one that. typo in oh. during the Pyeongchang Olympics that we'll talk about another time. Not not on the air. <laughs> that I'm wildly embarrassed <laughs> of. But but you know, just just reflecting on what you said about the fact that I I do have the best job in the world. Yeah. Um, the fact that I've gotten to know so many athletes from across this country, and I think they trust me, um, is probably the greatest compliment that I could get because um, 
Man, that trust between journalist and athlete is probably the most important thing we can possibly do. And I think in the landscape that we are right now and the reckoning that we're seeing right now, trust goes a long way and it has to be there. And Mercedes, I've always thought that capturing the essence of what the athlete is sharing with you is the most important thing because the essence will come through the words. If you, if you miss the essence of, of what an athlete is sharing with you, forget about it. So, yeah. Well, we love you and we love seeing you. Honestly, it's like a breath of fresh air when we see you on the ground. Cool. Okay, Devin, are you ready for the 10 rapid fire that are never rapid fire questions? No, absolutely not. And we were just talking a second ago that I'm very, very nervous about this because I'm lame and I, I never know how to answer these. So help me out if I speak. Okay. Again, never wrap it. The listeners know that. they take. This is so the listeners can get to know you a little bit more. Oh, my God. Okay, let's do it. All right, we're dropping in. Number one, what is the one thing that you must travel with for reporting? Protein bars. <laughs> I like that you went to food. It doesn't have to do with any, like, clothing or a microphone. <laughs> Protein bars. And let me tell you, after coming from Beijing and, of course, just prior to that, Tokyo, literally yeah. my boxes of protein bars kept me alive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about food and traveling in a bit. And 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next. Uh, number two, who would you say is the most high-profile contact in your phone right now? Oh, my Lord. Oh. <laughs> See, you might go athlete, you know, like actors, you know. I know, I know. I was... Someone at CBC that would no one would have their phone number. <laughs> See, this is why I'm so bad at this, because my mind goes a million different ways. And I almost went for a name. And then I'm like, oh, if I say that, then I got to justify it. <laughs> what I will say, what I will say is, I, here's what I'll say without saying too much. The other day, I was given a phone number at the Canada versus Jamaica World Cup qualifier soccer game from a high-ranking official, a direct cell phone number that I walked out of the space where I got this phone number and was like, did that just happen? Did you do a little dance? I did a little (laughs) dance. Because this is an official that like you don't have access to, and that Mm -hmm. number is in my phone. I know I'm I know I'm being horrible right now, not revealing it, but this one I do want to, but but that's that's how I'm gonna answer this because I was like, you want me to, you, are you sure you want me to have a direct line to you, right? Like <laughs> let me call you every day. But but like <laughs> that being said, I have a I have a ton of Olympic, Paralympic people in the sporting world, people in pro sport numbers and, and almost every curler I have on speed dial. Um, and, and I love that. I think that, you know, I think that we need to close the gap, um, and, and like text at two or three in the morning sometimes. (laughs) Well, you do become our friend. So you're stuck with us. Right. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Number three, what is the top song or playlist that you might be listening to right now? Um, (laughs) <laughs> Moana no I don't know <laughs> no, seriously uh so I have a couple of songs that I like to start my day with but I'm gonna answer this because I think you might have been a part of it when we were when we were at the youth olympics okay when I'm at um 
uh, a games to get me psyched up first thing in the morning. I listen to like overtures, classical music, like oh. music that has like a crescendo and like drums and like fires me up. But I, cool. I listen to the theme song of Avengers. Oh, are you an Avengers fan? I'm not at all. Oh, dang, I totally am. <laughs> I'm not at all, but I listen to the Avengers theme song and I literally actually, and Anime Pierce, who you had on the show, yeah. she will know what I'm talking about. I, I literally do like a live pregame rant to the Avengers song for the event that I'm covering later that day to get myself pumped up as I'm walking for my morning coffee. Literally have done it since the 2018 PyeongChang Games. That song every morning, high gain sports fans, You are one in a million, I love it. This is like a serious inside scoop to you. I I, I love it. This is I'm being massively vulnerable for you today, Mercedes. Thank you, thank you. Okay, how many Olympics have you gone to? This isn't. This is just a pre-question to question number four. So, so I've actually. You know what? I've only been. Are we counting youth Olympics? Why not? So three, three Olympics, three Paralympics. Yeah, three Olympics, three Paralympics, and and have covered have covered. Five of them, if you include remotely now. Okay, yeah, I was going with like in my bio coverage. You've covered. So oh yeah, so six. many. Six now. Yeah. Six. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wild. All right. If you could go back to an Olympics and you had to choose for the rest of your life, yeah. winter or summer, what would you choose? That is such a wild question because. <laughs> Prior to Tokyo, I would have unequivocally, without pause, have said winter. Yeah. But the summer has, the summer games have warmed my heart. Also want to say that I think Canada is more of a summer sporting nation than a winter sporting nation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's From my journalist's mouth. What? That's my hot take. I think I think that this next Olympic cycle, with all the success we've had from soccer to swimming to track and field, yeah, and and the changing demographic of this country, I believe that Canada is ready to embrace summer sport like we never uh, have. I'm just okay. Saying. So, what would you choose, summer or winter? I would still say I, I would still say winter. I, I gotta I gotta have some redeeming qualities here. I would if I could like literally live in the 1998 Olympics, like you said in the intro, for the rest of my life. To me, Aww. those games will be etched in my memory as the most prolific thing ever. Of course, Sandra Schmerler and curling was in the Olympics for the first time ever in '98, but it was just larger than life, and it was also at a time that when what was on your TV was the event, right? Right. right. There's something magical about that. We didn't, we couldn't be on the streams and the Twitter and the da 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 da. Yeah. What was on my TV? That's what it was. And totally. And it was I know magical. it's changed so much with social media. I mean, Twitter came up in 2010 at my first Olympics, and I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> and it's gone wild. <laughs> and and in a way, I think it it was. It was a more innocent sort of magical mm -hmm. time in that where you were is where you were. Exactly. You know? Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. If you, okay, this is like a really random question and anime and I thought the same thing. 
Number five, if you were invisible, what is the first thing that you would do? Okay, can you tell me what you guys said so I know? <laughs> no, because I want you, I feel like you're going to say the same thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm pausing right now. No, tell me, <laughs> what, what, what is the rating on this podcast? No, oh, you can say anything you want. Um, oh God, my mind is going a million different places. I go to the first one. Cause the first one, like a lot of the athletes before, like they would come up with like these awesome ideas. Like a lot of them have kids. They're like, oh, I'd watch my kids. And I was like, I would rob a bank. <laughs> if you were invisible. Yeah. I never thought about robbing something. That was the first thing that came to mind in anime's head. We're like, I would rob a bank. I don't know what, like, it's just like, I think when you're younger, you're like, ooh, invisible, rob a bank. And then that's like ingrained in your head. You know what I would say? I would, I, just the idea of being invisible and being able to be privy to like conversations that as a journalist, I wish I could be a fly right. on the wall in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Game over. Like, there you go. Job into, done. Slip into a boardroom, slip into like a pregame <laughs> chat, slip into like just a play. Yeah, actually, to be invisible as a journalist would be magical. <laughs> because, but like, I feel like you you always get the up to date like like of this minute news. Like you're already there. Anyway. I'm. I'm uh, maybe I'm trying to be like invisible and sneaky <laughs> without even knowing it. Yeah, I would. I would love that. I would. I would want to be invisible to be privy and in spaces where I shouldn't be to get the scoop. Totally. Totally. All right. Number six: big city or small town. Oh my gosh. You know what? Like you can see how I'm dressed today. This is like my small town, like prairie vibes coming out. <laughs> yeah. I think here's what I'll say. I think as I get older, I appreciate small town vibes more. Like mm -hmm. I'm about to go on the road again to cover the um, swim trials in Victoria. And I actually booked a cabin in Port Renfrew that literally has no cell service. So I you're not going to be tweeting. We're, everyone's going to think you're dead. <laughs> I, I, am, I am putting out a disclaimer before I don't like. I, okay. so, so I think that's kind of what I'm yearning for, Mercedes, small in my town. life. Living in Toronto, small town. <laughs> yeah, like downtown in the center of it all. I like being in the middle of it all with the idea that like I can escape at any yeah. time. So Understandable. Yeah, I'm a complicated mix of, of big city and small town vibes at the same time. I respect time. that. Yeah. Sometimes you need a little bit of both anyways. You do. Um, okay, number seven, what's the biggest risk that you think you have taken so far? I know what it is. I was a full-time salaried reporter in Saskatchewan that could have been a lead reporter for CBC. I knew I wanted to be a part of sport, and I quit my salary pensioned gig and flew to Toronto without any guarantee of a job in November 2017, walked into the CBC Sports boardroom and said, I have an idea of how I want to cover sport and how I want to cover curling and take a risk on me. And less than a year later, I was going to the Olympics to cover the games for CBC. Yeah. And let me tell you, at that time in my life, there were a lot of people that wanted to see me fail. I can honestly say that. No. Yeah, without getting too into it, because I know we're we're trying to keep it to time. But there were there were certainly people, maybe that not wanted to see me fail, but didn't want to see me thrive. And haters Different. gonna hate, and here I am, and <laughs> and and I'm not going anywhere. 
I'm really proud of you. I think everyone thank is. I, everyone loves seeing you on TV. Whoever those haters are, beat it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> number eight. If you were to do a sport, I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this. If you were to do a sport at the Olympics, which one would you choose? The default would be curling, for right. sure. Right. If I couldn't do curling, um, what do I just marvel at? I mean, listen, like when I had a front row seat to those swimmers and those track athletes, like, what, does it mean I would get the body of those athletes if I ooh, were? <laughs> ooh, good question. I feel like I would do one of the summer sports too. <laughs> They are, those athletes are specimens. Like out of all the athletes I look at, I, they look like superhuman people. So like to be that good at like one of the events, that's just like God given, like I can run this freaking fast or I can swim this freaking fast to me yeah. is such a marvel. So I would say that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number nine, what is the best way to travel? Not light. <laughs> <laughs> pack everything pack, pack everything I, I i packed three carries on to go to beijing um and they were they were jammed they were absolutely jammed because I, i'm out here being like okay i get the inconvenience of hauling ass around the airport and getting there and all of that but like check those bags forget about them the only like i imagine it is like like legs in a race like Yes, you got to get to the airport. Yes, you got to get from the airport to the hotel. But once you're there, you got there's nothing worse than being on the road and looking in your closet and going, what the hell did I pack? Like, <laughs> That's awesome. All right, yeah. number 10. What are the top three places that you have traveled? It doesn't have to be for work. It's just like top three ever. Mm, uh, when I was in Morocco, specifically in Marrakesh, that is like an unbelievable place. Extra sensory overload, spellbinding. Um, I spent time in Israel. Actually, I was in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve one time in my life, which was one of the most moving experiences. I actually walked from old Jerusalem to Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. Um, wow. spell, spellbinding. And... Um, Maybe a, t a tie in my last place, if I can squeak into. Mm -hmm. I, I, vis I was in Italy in the Tuscan Valley for a friend's wedding on this UNESCO farm site, unbelievable mountainside. Like, would go back there in a heartbeat. And little known fact about me, I was a foreign reporter in Thailand based out of Bangkok for eight months. Okay, I think I read that, but I didn't think it was true. <laughs> I did that too. I did that too. Okay. And, and living in Bangkok and just immersing myself in that world and being a reporter in Bangkok and all over Thailand was like one of the wildest experiences of my life. So yeah, I've been blessed. I have been blessed to be immersed in so many different cultures and experiences. Yeah. So funny. Okay. You finished the rapid fire. Just stop sweating. It's over. You did great. <laughs> I took a long time. That was not long. I'm sorry. They're, don't worry. They... They, uh, my listeners know they're like, they're never rapid, never rapid. It's Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, but everyone got to know you better. That's the whole point. Cool. So let's just talk about being on the road. You said you pack a lot. You pack power bars. Um, I guess your last trip, probably big trip, would have been the, uh, uh, the last Olympics. Beijing, the Olympics yeah. Beijing. yeah. 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 
And part of your show, you end up going to 7-Eleven, I think, and like trying different foods, or you just tweet about it. I don't know if this got into the show last time. Yeah, like it. Well, that so that was in Tokyo, and like going into Tokyo was like we were going to have a fourteen-day soft quarantine where we could only go eat in places that were like in or attached to the hotel. And I started hearing that Seven Eleven was attached to our hotel, and you know, I'm imagining a Seven Eleven like in Canada where. You go in and there's a taquito that's been spinning on the hot grill for seven yeah. hours and like a, a Slurpee. And I'm like, this is going to be tragic because here's the thing. People who actually, actually know me know how picky I can be about my eating. So what was hilarious when all this craziness happened around my 7-Eleven adventures, which the food was amazing. I know. But people who knew me were like, I don't believe you're eating half the shit you're tweeting about because... Oh. But like really and truly, the food was amazing. I'm missing it to this day because it literally was like going into a grocery store. It was yeah. open 24-7. The staff got to know me. I was having fried chicken, edamame chips, sushi, green tea, yeah. ice cream, uh, on a giri, like whatever you want. And you know, Mercedes, the wild thing about it is like, of course, I'm covering the Olympics and Paralympics and writing all these features. Yes. Screw the journalism, screw the features. The thing people wanted every day was my tweet of what I was eating. And it would literally people were like staying up across Japan to see to see what I news outlets there were doing features on me. I was in every publication. Like it was so bizarre. And as a journalist, like I'm kind of like, I'm I'm not the story here, people. Like you became the story, though. But again, like I've traveled to Japan a lot, and honestly, when we're on the road there, Seven Eleven is the one stop shop. Save and my it's life. Good. It's good. Save my life. I I want to get back there. I need <laughs> I need the kombini in Japan for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So let's just talk about when you do travel. Are you traveling by yourself? Do you have a full team with you? Like, what's the behind the scenes of CBC when you're going to report on something like the games so earlier in my career it was like devin here's uh here's a couple phones iphones here's a ring lamp like go do what you do you're you're on your own okay. which i gotta be honest with you was probably the most important thing for me in my career because i was just like a one-man band i was writing features i was doing television hits from my iphone i was doing world report cbc radio from my iphone like that those experiences, Mercedes, were invaluable for me because now that I'm at the point where I have a producer, there's a cameraman, camera operator, I'm like, wow, this is like, I get to like just hold the mic and like do this. And to this day, it, I have to pinch myself to be like, wow, this is amazing because having a team around you, as you know, um, whether an athlete, a journalist, whatever it is in our lives, having a team around us um, is so crucial. And I got to say, just a shout out to the two people I worked with every single day in Beijing, Brad Coates and Michelle Aspero. I can honestly say it was the best professional moment and situation I've ever had in my career. And it, it really allowed me to be the best I could be. Um, because they were just so on top of everything. And I do not take that for granted. For one sure. Day. 
Like That's awesome. Yeah, you get that idea of like what it is to do it all by yourself and then you get a team and you're just like, Mind heaven, what's happening? It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. And I made sure I carried their equipment as much as I possibly could for it. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's the same like photographers and snowboarding. I'm always like, I did a, a series, What's in Your Pack? And I'm like, seriously, photographers, filmers, how heavy are your packs? Like, and yeah. then sometimes they have two packs and you're just like, let me help you. <laughs> they haul ass. They haul ass in a way that we don't even see. And I get the job of being the shiny thing in front of the lights. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh-uh, it's, it, you guys are the real heroes. So. Yeah. Okay. I do have to ask you, like you're on the road, you're talking to so many different athletes. Are there like, okay. I mean, I don't want to like ruin anyone's career, but like just in a broad spectrum, like some people are easy to interview and then some people are difficult to interview. And personally, I, when I was like 14, I know I was difficult to interview. All I gave was like, yes, no, I don't care. I'm just here to snowboard. Leave me alone. Right. Do you find that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There are some events I go to that I go, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And, and how I respond to that is I think if you're, if you're a seasoned journalist and if you're good at what you do, you understand through your work whether or not you're going to get a good quote. Yeah. To me, the quotes and being there with the athlete is the richness of storytelling. However, if you don't have an athlete that's a good quote, yeah. you have to raise your game in the sense that you have to figure out a way to make this a compelling story, knowing that you're probably going to get maybe one or two sentence answers <laughs> with, without a lot of without a lot of anything. Yeah. Um, to me, Mercedes, because of what I've been through in my life and a little bit of my journey, I feel like I'm a chameleon in the sense that whatever environment I walk into, my spidey senses are up and I'm knowing what I have to give to get the most out of an athlete. And my thing that I want and know with crystal clarity in my career is that all that I would ever want for an athlete in, in, in the space of me is to feel like I'm on their energetic level. So if you just have the most euphoric win of your career, I'm going to be up there with you when we're doing that interview. If you literally have the most heartbreaking defeat of your life, I'm going to get there with you and we are going to talk it out. And you would not believe how many athletes at the end of our conversations go, thank you for that because that was like a therapy session for me. Totally. And That's why you become our friends. You get it. Like you are invested, honestly. And and I quite frankly don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I know there is a school of, of journalists who believe that's not how it's supposed to be. And I'm here to say that is how it's supposed to yeah. be. And we are yeah. elevating, we are elevating the conversation, the narrative. And in doing so, I think we're helping people see parts of themselves they could have never imagined through being vulnerable with one another. For sure, totally. And so um, it's funny you, you bring up that um, <laughs> feeling of excitement because I was on your and Craig's show for the opening ceremonies. Yeah. And I felt bad. Like I saw Craig after and we were watching the Olympics and I was like, I'm so sorry. I was, I did not expect to be that excited. These were my first games I was watching and I like was over the top. So. <laughs> and you know what? 
I remember that. And I remember hearing your joy and being like, absolutely, Mercedes, this is this is what we want you to be giving, because to me, that is what sport is about. Sport is about experiencing joy and sorrow and everything in between collectively, because that is the human experience. Yeah. And that to me is what sport has always been about. So if that's what you were feeling, lean into that and own that. And I was right there with you. It was so awesome. At 5am, what are the times like you're traveling, you have time changes. How do you acclimatize to those time changes? Or do you just stick on Toronto time? I don't know you, what you do. You don't sleep. I My sleeping is all over the place. And I'm grateful that I can like function very highly on like four or five hours of sleep. Like literally that's all I need. Um, during the Olympics, I will, I will only get about three and a half, four hours of sleep a night. Like, and, and I wouldn't want it any other way. And I crash really, really hard and people don't see that part, mm -hmm. but no, like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be throwing myself at swimming nationals and that's going to be on the Pacific time zone. And then I'm going to be back here. And then who knows where I'm going to be next internationally. And so maybe I'm always like throwing my sleep patterns off. So like I can spring into whatever time zone I need to be in at any given time. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So you travel to so many different events. I mean, you're going to swimming. You just finished up curling before that, those the Olympics. Yeah. Do you have a favorite venue to travel to like be it ice be it pool or oh oh you know what i don't have a specific like i love going to this stadium or i love going to this arena but i do have a specific feeling that represents what i believe is the best in sport and to me it's the feeling of getting to a stadium an arena a space before a championship and because i'm usually because i'm neurotic and usually like overly prepared and try and be one of the first people there yeah. there's this this unbelievable serenity and excitement that washes over me to this day and i'm getting goosebumps talking about it of when i walk into a space and walk through the tunnel into the venue and to know that that is the quiet space before the crescendo of sporting excellence of where who knows what magic is going to play out in front of me in this space yeah. is my favorite thing to walk into. Oh. And, 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 the, and the hardest thing for me in the pandemic has been walking into some of these spaces, knowing that the electricity of what that moment could be has been lost. And now that fans are slowly able to get back into spaces yeah. and to see and to start feeling the buzz and the hum as you get closer to that event time. Like that's what I live for. Like, that's like, so funny. No, I appreciate that because I've always been on the other side. I would have no idea about that kind of detail. Yeah, like I would imagine in a lot of ways it's probably the same as an athlete where you where you are you are going into the space knowing that it, your time to shine is going to play out on this hill or stadium or yeah. arena and for me to to know like I have to pump myself up and know my words have to meet the moment. So it's game time baby. Like that's that's how I get. Yeah. That's so 
cool. I, no, I do really appreciate that other perspective because when you're an athlete, you're like in the zone so much and you're just like focused on the task at hand. But yeah. most of the time you don't really like, if you're actually focused enough, like in the half pipe, there's people up the wall. Like I shouldn't be able to hear those people. I shouldn't right. be able to like understand what's going on there. Um, totally. Sometimes they peep in and you're like, you shouldn't yeah. be saying that or like, thank you. <laughs> But uh, you got, yeah, you got these blinders on. So totally. having that excitement from you and that, that, that's cool for the next, well, I may be going to the FIFA games in uh, Qatar. What? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Are you going over there? I don't know yet. We're still, okay. we're still sort of mapping out what my sort of summer fall schedule is going to look like. Um, yeah. I'm kind of hoping I'm I'm in Hungary in Budapest for the swimming world championships. Yeah. Um, also keeping my eye on athletic world championships in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, Commonwealth Games are in Birmingham, England, in um, in late July, early August, uh, and then and then Qatar in November, and that is going to be insane. Like you just got to go. You just got to go. I think I'm in, uh, yeah, I, my friend and I, I have a friend that lives there, so I might go visit. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right. I'll see you there. I'll oh, see you Oh, yay. My, one of my favorite things to do at a stadium is try and find the people I know. Like at the um, Olympics, it was always like my brother would like shine a light so that I would know where they were when we were coming in. That's like the most random thing, but. <laughs> I love that. Would you be able to find him? Yeah? Yeah, always. I can always find him. Yeah. Oh. That's beautiful. I know. I, I do have a question about Qatar. Like I say Qatar, but you say Qatar. What is you're the journalist? Honestly, I have heard it said four different ways. And okay. the most most consistent I've heard is Qatar. So okay. <laughs> I, I, I prefer saying Qatar. Qatar sounds how I've always heard it, but like yeah. I've been hearing Qatar and I know me too. I'm gonna we're gonna have, have to, to we're gonna get to the bottom of that one. I think it has to do with like the UK English in me. Cattle. <laughs> anyway, um, so maybe I will see you there and I will like shine a light or like tweet you and be like, I'm over here. <laughs> yes. I'm hoping to be there. I'm hoping to be there. I don't know Amazing. who they're gonna send, but like I'm definitely making a pitch to go for sure. Yes. I would yeah. love that. Um, okay, I'm going to pull up a couple photos here because this is actually how much fun we have together when we uh, see each other on the ground. This is a photo from the um, uh, Youth Olympic Games, uh, our our last trip uh, in 2020. I love and this. I, and it's such a good photo. It's you, me, and Anime Pierce. So the last of you to be on this episode. Um, I also have a cool photo of you and Anime chit chatting in uh, Lausanne because we you, were. Do, do you remember that night? <laughs> I, do, I do remember that night. It was a good time. We had good times. I love that you guys came up to St. Moritz. You got to see what that was like. I felt like we were the ugly stepchildren in St. Moritz, and then you guys were like, "It's amazing." You were, you were, you were out there slumming it in St. Moritz. <laughs> One of the tough, most beautiful tough, places. tough gig, Mercedes. But you know, know, you've always been such a team player, you know. <laughs> I'll take one for the team anytime. 
what a bizarre, what a bizarre and wonderful time that was. Um, yeah. and, and really, that was actually the last international big sporting event before the pandemic. It really yeah. was January 2020, and that was it. I was going to say 2022. Everything's a time warp for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, January 2020, and what a time we had. And you know, I was I've, I've been thinking a lot about those Youth Olympics and like how much of a pipeline it is to a stepping stone for the Olympics. And you're seeing yeah. a lot of those athletes, right? You saw some of those, many of those. Where mine went, Natalie Corales, she went to the Olympics from the Youth Olympics. I was like, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> right, right. And so to me, now that I'm getting a little older in my career, it's a funny thing for me. It's a funny thing and, and beautiful thing for me to actually now get to cover athletes from the beginning of their career and watching them through because yeah. I've talked a lot lately to athletes about sort of the, the this different perspective they're bringing to sport. And there, I've always thought there are in, an incredible amount of parallels between how you perform in sport and how you show up in life. And I don't think we've talked about it enough, but it, finally, I feel like the conversation is gaining some steam in the light of everything we saw that happened in Tokyo with mental health conversations in sport. I just think we're getting real yeah. about the unattainable ideals of perfection that we expect from athletes. Yeah. And, and I think when we can start ripping away that and allowing athletes just to show up as they are, we're going to start to see a whole shift in sport. And I hope to be, I hope to be part of that in whatever way I can be to create space for athletes to show up in their most authentic way. And I really yeah. think it's going to lead to inspiring performances as we move forward. Agreed. I mean, opening up that conversation, knowing you're not alone, chatting with others, that's what happened to me when I talked about, like, I didn't know what depression was, but I was in it. And yeah. that opening up that just, just understanding yeah. and understanding that, yeah, we are role models, but we're not perfect. And moving on, everyone's got to be real. I love that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good reminder to me sometimes when I, you know, I always try and remember that the person I'm speaking to is an actual person and not this <laughs> robot athlete that is yeah. brilliant, you know? and yeah. And I think when you can when you can ask questions through the lens of remembering that this is a human being, you know, experiencing everything I do, totally. I think it's just an elevated conversation. Yeah, for sure. Devin, thank you so much for dropping in. Where can people find you online? What's your Twitter handle? Let's get real. Yes, at Devin, D-E-V-I-N underscore H-E-R-O-U-X. Um, if I'm not, if I haven't tweeted for like two hours, send the search party unless uh, you're in the woods without reception disclaimer <laughs> right and i and that's how my family literally keeps up with me during the yeah. games i'm like i'm not texting you just read my tweets you'll know where i am like i have an alibi every moment of my life really mm -hmm. um uh on instagram dr haru h-e-r-o-u-x um, fabulous photos i mean you look I, good anywhere you go you look good thank you thank you <laughs> Awesome. Yep. Well, everyone should hit him up, follow him. It's totally worth it. You're going to know what's happening in sports up to the second. I promise you that's where I get my information too. Devin, thank you so much for dropping in today. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Yeah. 
thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.